Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Take two. Good morning. Um, it is the it's the morning before the night after. Is that what? Not a, yeah, that's what it is. So Vic Bread Super Series Finals, purest night at Melton Park tomorrow night. Twelve Group Ones worth one point five million dollars. Um, but for those who missed the start of the show, the good news is we're going to be able to go for about fifteen minutes here and and get a number of these races underway. And we want to get them done because oh, I didn't read out my multicultural unbelievably last week and finally unbelievably got one uh, but before we get stuck into the form 12 races 12 group ones as mentioned and some magnificent events pretty much all of them well all of them are magnificent events right across the board it's probably worth reflecting uh, a little with dan uh, as i welcome you in dan maliki on um the sad and tragic passing of uh, of tara tom hogan during the week i spent last night i, I don't normally get um, nervous, Dan, when uh, I'm doing anything in the media, particularly writing. It's something that I love to do. But I, I for uh, for Tara Tom, and that's up on the uh, on the website on harness.org.au and also the trots.com.au for some time yesterday, feeling uh, a pretty heavy weight and burden for two reasons: wanting to make uh, Tara proud of uh, of what I produced and, and and all of his friends and loved ones, of which there are clearly you know multitudinous and myriad. Um, but also just thinking, when you've lived a life that big and that large, um, h- how do you encapsulate it in, in five or six hundred words? He was he was a larger-than-life figure, and it's almost... Um, he's one of those people... I, I don't think we'll ever see the like of Atara Tom Hogan ever again. It's a little bit sad, isn't it? How are you this morning? Yeah, look, at you're right. Absolutely very sad. Thanks, um uh, Jason, hello everybody. It is. I mean, anyone that you know, it doesn't have to be in the uh, in the work. It could be private. Mm. Um, but when there's a figure like this in in our jobs um, or involvement in harness racing, in some part we step over the line of being uh, a professional and get paid for it. And the other part, you know, the heart comes through. And for most of the people that are in harness racing, there's a bit of that mixture in all of them. And and Tom was. Um, well, he was as, he he was part of harness racing for my whole life, and yeah. um, um, he he was a really good friend of of Gavin Lang as well, and supporter of anything great uh, or outstanding in harness racing. He true passionate um, supporter, uh, and he had a number of roles over a number of years. And um, yeah, it's always it's always very sad when you lose someone that you know and respect. Uh, it doesn't really matter how well that you know them, but in this case with Tom, I'd, I'd see him quite regularly at the trots, particularly in the last couple of years more so uh, as well because he, he could field um, yeah. as a bookmaker and be the only bookmaker there at a number yeah. pl- number of places I had worked at. And if he wasn't there, sometimes there'd be nobody else. So, um, I mean, it's easy to say someone's going to be sadly missed, but he really will be. He was such a major component of harness racing, a major um, supporter, contributor uh, as an owner. Um, he had shares in lots of horses and he just absolutely loved it. He just typifies um, the harness uh, person, the true harness spirit in a person and that with the passion. Um, uh, he made so many friends and so many people admired him uh, along the way without maybe knowing him as well. So um, he yeah, absolutely captured it perfectly. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned in the article, I think he's the greatest legacy is going to be his mentoring role um, to so many. He, he was, I think, Tara was very young and hard. I remember turning to the, uh, at the track and he'd be, 
Hi, Bono. Hello, Bono. And uh, he just mm. had that, that young spirit about him. Even, uh, as mentioned, he, I believe he was doing the form for this meeting, you know, as soon as the fields came out, right up to the end. Such was his passion and desire and love for harness racing. And he's involved, or obviously the Super Murray group is involved with a couple of runners that will go around tomorrow night at Melton Park. But there's, I mean, you would have felt this when you were coming through the ranks. I think there's, there's only sort of four or five people, from my perspective, that... It felt like it felt different when you um, when you had that emotion that okay this person actually recognises me, acknowledges me, and respects me. And I'm thinking of from a participant point of view, people like uh, Gavin Lang. Um, when you when, when I finally sat down up there in Queensland with him on Sunshine Sprint Night and had a great chat and felt like there was you know a connection there, or Chris Alford from a broadcasting point of view having. Uh, the respect of somebody like you means a hell of a lot to be in from a form perspective, and 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 just feeling like you you know what you're doing, Hutchie, obviously, and and Tara Tom. When when I finally connected with Tara Tom, there's just people in your life, aren't there? There's 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 yeah. people as you're coming through that you look at and go, if if I can get their respect, I'll actually feel I, I feel like I'm pretending until until I get the nod of the head from them. And Tara Tom was one for me. Yeah, oh, totally. Look, Bill Bill Hutchison, someone I've had a great association with for a long period of time, and he's a, a person like Tom that if they wanted to offer advice, you would listen to them, yeah. um, uh, or they would engage with you because they were actually trying to better you. They were trying to better the industry, uh, their outlook on um, harness racing in particular, if not life in general, was that of um, absolute respect and wanting to assist and help and improve and. You know, that's what I uh, really am going to miss the most about uh, Tom because he was very much uh, like that. He just wanted to see the best the harness racing industry could be and um, whoever it was that were in those roles, if they respected you, they did their best to support you. And I found that Tom did that. Um, and as you've just touched on, you, you feel very similarly and, um, you know, on reflection rather chuffed that they... They, they, in a way, could live part of their dream through you, and I felt that way. Uh, yeah, beyond just it, it still feels very, very special, and um, our thoughts go out to everyone, the, the many, many, many people who loved Tom, or even he was one of those characters, I think, that uh, you only had to meet him a couple of times and you felt you had a connection uh, with Tara Tom Hogan, uh, and I can tell you, he and Hutchie are the kind of people where if they were going to give you advice... You'd listen, and if you didn't listen, they'd make you listen. Uh, right, let's get stuck into this amazing meeting. First event on the program is the Acurity at Haraz de Trotteurs. Vic Bread Super Series final for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings, and the locomotive is looking to go back-to-back in what uh, most participants still call the sires. Um, now, it, this is the case for a number of the, the short price favourites tonight, I reckon, Dan. And I'll be interested in your thoughts because we've got 10 red figure favourites. But mm. it feels like nearly all of them, nearly all of them, not quite all of them, but nearly all of them, there's not a massive margin for error. I am with the locomotive yeah. here. Um, I think j- just it's that weaponry, isn't it? I think you'll be able to find the front once it gets there. Even though there's some very good rivals, I think he's going to be extraordinarily hard to beat. I can see peak domination after that with Stevie G and Moonwalker figuring uh, in the placings. But then you've got so many other runners, haven't you? Prince of Rock, got a feeling, as you know, having a legal, even four out of five. Mitchell Rapp went fantastic in its it qualifier. So it's um, it, it's one of those nights, isn't it, where... And I'll be interested to see how many of the favourites you actually tip because 
there's not a huge margin for error for most of them, including the locomotive, is there? Oh, there's no doubt about that. In fact, uh, in a lot of cases, it's the barrier draw. And, and I think yep. we've got a good idea of true ability in horses. And even though there's mm. a few really short price favourites, sometimes the difference is not as big as what the barrier draw is making out it should be. Um, so therefore, that might create a bit of value. But I, I'm a bit like you. There were a number of horses that um, I almost felt compelled or obliged to tip, but yeah. wouldn't back them. And yeah. it's one of those strange sort of nights, and we'll get to some of those races as we go. Maybe there's a little bit of this here because it does look as if the locomotive can work his way to the top. He's a big, powerful horse. He was really good winning uh, his heat to qualify here. And if he is in front, and you make a good point about leg uh, peg domination because it's going to be a warmish night, uh, and I usually find the warmer the night, the more pig dominated it will be. And particularly yeah. when you're getting a really good bunch of horses, particularly in series like these. Um, so being on the pegs and being in front, uh, I, it's going to be no disadvantage, put it that way. I don't think there is much between the locomotive and got feelings, you know, and pe perhaps the market is suggesting uh, that is the case. And it's only the barrier draw. Um, I... <laughs> It was close enough to a flip of the coin, just the barrier that made the difference for me. The locomotive got feelings you know. Prince of Rock's very good. Um, and Stevie G's got the barrier draw where he's got to be effective from that gate. There's a few others that have got chances of running into the top four. I'd say Moonwalk is one of those. Maybe What's Up Party Time as well. My tips are 4, 12, 11 and 1. But I think the locomotive, I'm not saying he won't get any shorter, but in my eyes, he's short enough. I... Don't think you'll get any shorter. I think I I, I think the dollar fifty that's available right now. I, I yeah, I think yeah. I don't think you'll get any shorter anyway because uh, got a feeling you know is the one that they've isolated the market and you've got it as your major danger. But I can see a, a little move for Stevie G, a little move for Moonwalker, a little move for mm. I, th I think a medium move for Prince of Rock potentially given its record. And then you've got others here that went so well in the heat. You just think someone will have a little dip at. Four out of five at one hundred twenty-six dollars, or Avenal Eagle, or Mitchell Rap. So I think um, I think a dollar fifty is as short as it'll go. I am having it as the first leg of a five-leg multi, just just because, as we mentioned, the circumstances. And Wayne Potter is a brilliant trainer, and he's done this before with the locomotive, um, going back to another uh, major series where sort of finished down the track early in the in the red, well in the Redwood and the Tatlow and then was able to peak at the right time and I think he's got the locomotive peaking at the right time once again here that's the first race of 12 group ones in the card one and a half million dollars up for grabs and we stick with the square gators here this is the hardest race on the program without doubt or question for me but it's all opinion based they used to me at Haras de Trotters Vic Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old trotting mares if you've got a very confident opinion here Dan I I could easily be swayed because I this was particularly when you're just starting the form and this is race two on the card I thought to myself is this Vic Bread Super Series not this is supposed to be easy uh, yeah that's true I, th this was an interesting race because I went through a number of horses one by one and I I couldn't get confidence to uh, want to tip them and therefore well it wasn't necessarily a process of elimination I went back on face value to weigh up a performance of a particular runner and um, I was taken with it significantly and I, I know it's trimmed up just a, a little bit from a bit of uh, bit of odds but I think it's still worth uh, a play at double figure odds and I'm talking about Queen of Quebec, number 13. Um, yeah. Look, 
there's been a couple of occasions where she, her manners have let her down and significantly, but she's come off the back of a couple of runs where that has happened. And she sat a little bit closer in the run. The barrier draw made a big difference at Bendigo, but the most impressive aspect of it, and remembering it was a wet track and she was 30 to one, it was the way she picked up Gardena, Ronda and Revelstoke. We're talking about two really good and very quick yeah. uh, trotters. And she reeled them in like a really good horse. And I just thought, well, if you can do that like, like you did. I reckon you can do it from the back of the field as well. But the trick is that she um, has to do everything right, got to yeah. score up and get the right run. But I thought at the time I was looking at that, she was about $15. So I've tipped her as my each way um, or value runner for the night. So Queen of Quebec on top. I think the hardest to beat Lady Adela because she is far more professional. She's taken some really good scalps. Um, she's very smart. Uh, Elder Baron Vera, Definitely in the mix. I like the way she toughed it out against Lady Adelia last start. She's probably going to have to do something similar, but I, I like the way she's come back from a long spell. So 13, 10, and 9. So that means there are three horses that are on um, the um, back row that I've come up with here as the main chances. For that to happen, there's got to be something else that is uh, in the mix or from the front line. And I thought Gardena Ronda might be the one. She had to step up and trip last start, and that's going to be where the query is, whether she can run up that strong trip. But her performance was very good. She went past Revelstoke. Um, and Revelstoke from Barrier 1, I just couldn't have her on that run and her runs prior. At her best, Revelstoke, you'd think, would be a, a $2.20 favourite or equal favourite. But uh, she doesn't seem to be going as well. She's not yeah. going super bad, but I don't know she's going well enough. And I've actually worked around her, which is... Um, probably doesn't make sense having seen she's drawn one, but I, I thought she was entitled to do much better last start. The splits were pretty good. I know it was a wet track, but the way Gardena Ronda and Queen of Quebec picked her up, um, she's going to have to improve a couple of lengths, and I didn't know where that improvement would come from. So I've tipped 13, 10, 9, and 7. We're not far away from... Uh... Uh, from the big break, the big break that we have at the end of the uh, first half hour of the Friday Four panel. Nine, one, ten, and seven for me. So I've gone Elder Baron Vera. I'll only make a couple of points here. And you've sort of made two cases that I want to talk about when we come back from the break and obviously come back for the second hour. A couple of points in that race. And also, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk a little bit about how many runners can win this race. Time for a break. We'll come back for a big second hour of the Friday Form panel here on SEN Track. Live on SEN Track, welcome to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Uh, the two points, it seems like it's been uh, about half an hour since. The two points I wanted to make about race two is, it was interesting listening uh, to you talk about the Revelstoke uh, qualifier for this race, or the Queen of Quebec qualifier, because... Of course, she was the winner. It, it, sometimes when you're watching a race like that, it's hard, isn't it, Dan, to look at and say, well, who was outstanding? Well, you know, you, you kind of look at it and say, Queen of Quebec was outstanding and Revel Stoke was slightly disappointing in trying to sort of uh, manage the the balance between the two, isn't it? Because you, you kind of, you look at this mm. race here and there wasn't a lot between them and Revel Stoke's drawn one, probably leads, but it's, it, it's kind of a balance to try and work out. Well, was Revel Stoke, you know... Where is she at? Um, although Anton Galino has got almost a thoroughbred mentality in some ways where he'll be wanting to peak Revelstoke for the uh, for the big dance here. And and how good was Queen of Quebec? It's it's it's, it's an interesting balance to try and strike when you're, 
when you when, when you sort of watching those heats and semi-finals of the uh, of the various gates and, and work out how good certain runs were. Yeah, no doubt about that. Revelstoke won the three-year-old Phillies division and she did it from outside the back row and she yeah. did it by a big space. But yeah. personally, I don't think she's going anywhere near as well as that. However, you know, she's still got a second to RC Phoenix. She finished in the same suburb as Queen Elida um, and she was beaten less than two metres last start. Maybe I'm just a harsh marker or I expected a lot more of her um, Revelstoke. So... Um, Look, she deserves to be in the market or on past form, um, one of the favourites. But on her last run, I just thought she was too easily dashed, out-dashed by um, Queen of Quebec and Gardena Ronda, two of her main... The fact that Gardena Ronda was suspect, suspect at that, that distance made me think that Revelstoke's performance was um, um, uh, a little disappointing. Well, it's interesting. That's a nice segue because I thought Gardetta Ronda was the biggest value in the race. But I've gone 9, 1, 10 and 7. Funnily enough, just very quickly, for those who haven't done the form yet, you've still got plenty of time tomorrow. And I know this sounds slightly childish, but it, it actually works for me and it can work for you. All you have to do is go back. If you don't know the, the racing that well, go back and watch the heats. I literally just marked every runner out of 10 in their heats and semifinals. Yep. And, and, and it's amazing, particularly in the square gating divisions, Dan, if you do that, like... Here, the highest-rated runners from the heats were Aldebaran, and Vera and Queen of Quebec. So I totally understand why you've gone yeah. that way. And you, you, you kind of look at even Mitchell Rapp in, in the first event. There's an opportunity here. Just do that and then maybe just back whatever you thought were the best runs rather than getting heavily involved in maps and all the rest because they can go, they can go awry, particularly for the trotters, can't they? Oh, it makes so much sense. And there was a couple of races there. There were a few horses that broke and others were checked. And you really actually have to watch them six or seven times. But yeah. I'm not dissimilar to you. But I do enjoy um, doing that, looking at those replays. And that's the way we're trying to find um, a bit of value. And you're probably more capable of seeing that in some of the uh, trotting heads because they're not yeah. run in town. And maybe during the week, and perhaps you haven't seen them live, uh, they're always good to go through, and you'll find something at uh, well at good odds, whether they win or not. But you always feel pretty good getting the good odds. Yeah, you always do. Uh, race three, we've got to keep moving. Four-year-old uh, trotting in ties and geldings final. Now, I'm nearly certain that Christopher Snooze Fenosio is going to win this race. I didn't have anywhere near the separation in odds between RC Phoenix and Ottawa Kelly, and I'll tell you why. Because RC Phoenix, I think, is the better horse. But there's an even there's an article right now up on the trots.com.au. Uh, um, where Chris Finozio says there's not a lot between them. Ottawa Coey's not guaranteed to find the front, but I tell you what, I tell you what, if he does, he usually wins. And um, and you look at their best mile rates and best performances, and you just think five dollars for Ottawa Coey against a dollar fifty-five for RC Phoenix seems wrong. I'm still going twelve three, and the other two that I've thrown in, Sebastian's boy, is you know sometimes because of the. The boom and the fact that everyone knows he's a good horse, he starts shorter than he should because of his manners. Here, 23 and 420, getting an opportunity. I've thrown him in for fourth and just above him, Key Yang Chucky. I thought Royal Dan, particularly early. I know I know you're Royal. You're, you're the real Royal Dan, Malachi, but Royal Dan was uh, was a little bit too short now at the $10. Give us your thoughts. Is $1.55 right or are you with me that um, I think these odds will compress at least a little bit? 
Look, I think it's a competitive enough race. There's a, enough talent in the race that it's just not going to be a walk in the park for race RC Phoenix. But often what I'll do is I'll, I'll then pit the favourite one-on-one against every horse in that race. And I satisfy myself that RC Phoenix one-on-one is better than any horse in this race. So it's the luck in running uh, and the fact that he may have to sit parked. Does that weaken his chances? It could a little bit, but he might have enough on them. Um, I think he's in the zone now, RC Phoenix, and I think he's the one to beat without hesitation. Arakoi, um, look, the good thing about Arakoi, it doesn't have to lead. Um, it might be a good chance of doing that, um, but uh, it's still a really good chance of figuring prominently regardless of where it sits. Uh, Royal Dam, the other one, lightly raced, but he is going well, and Keying, Chucky, uh, ditto. So 12, 3, 5, 11. The long shot that I've got time for is Gaelic Lad. Now he's drawn the front line yeah, because right. he's got good gate speed. He'll mm, yes. possibly cross EB Mac beyond the pegs, and he might be that long shot that provides a bit of value in some uh, exotic plays. Um, look, I think it's a decent field. of Courage Stride was at its best. He's another one you can entertain. And Kai Valley Piero is going really well uh, also. And you made mention of Sebastian's boy. A lot of the times his problem is the score-up, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, And he gives away too much of a start. It really is a good race. Um, and I can come up with cases for other horses, but with every case I come up with another horse, I've got RC Phoenix on top. I've got 12, again, 12, 3, 11 and 13. But we've already given a couple of... Uh, I love... I love the education aspect of uh, of being able to be in the uh, broadcasting space, particularly when you're doing form. And there's a like there's a couple of rules that you can follow, particularly with these finals. Uh, you can go back and just rate runners out of ten, and also that that is a wonderful philosophy. I, I'm assuming right across the board when you're doing thoroughbred form, it's the same. You kind of look. This is my benchmark runner. Now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go one on one with everything else, and and say well. Who can go with you? Is it something you use right across the board with form, Dan? Oh, yeah, my word, I do. But it's a good way to deduce yeah. whether you are a genuine dollar fifty shot or not. Yeah. Because if they're not the best horse, or you don't think they're the best horse, but they are the favourite, well, that's when you might find your value. So in this case, there's value, but I still think RC Phoenix is the best horse. And because uh, often you'll get let down if you take your exotics or you take a, an all-up, uh, the shorty lets you down, and you get sucked into believing it's the good thing. But sometimes, um, just because it's a dollar twenty, often in harness racing, it's because of the draw. So, um, and you can get sucked in because you're always looking for a, a six-leg multi. Always sounds better than the five-leg multi, doesn't it? And it's usually the shorty that lets you down. <laughs> usually, none of them sound very nice to me, to be honest. I, 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 yeah, but I'll be having one here after uh, a little bit of success last week. Um, Yes, RC Phoenix uh, does. I'll give you a little stat quickly before we move on to race four. So RC Phoenix has been in the breeze four times in uh, in his career. He's won once, well, four in his last 20. He's won once and placed on three occasions. But this is where data and statistics can be a little bit misleading because I think on at least two of those occasions, he was beaten by a little pony called Cravash Door and not beaten far. So I think in this field, you look at it and say he could probably breeze and he'd win Three out of four times. Race four. We get to the paces now. The Storm Inside Vic Bread Super Series decider for the baby boys, two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And now we step up in prize money to $150,000. And I'm so intrigued by what you're going to say because this is, a, a, again, another case. Storm Riders at $1.45. And will he be in my multi? Yes, he will be. Do I think he'll win? Yes, I do. Is there is there much or anything between 
He, Bay of Biscay, Kingman, not really. And the other critical factor here, even though he's been disappointing in two runs back from a break, I've got Wardan Buddy getting across to the front and trailing Storm Rider, and that is going to um, exponentially assist in his improved performance, I believe, Daniel. Oh, no doubt about that. I, I'm a bit with you. If Storm Rider, I'd be happy to take him on with a different barrier draw, but from that gate, it looks like he'll end up in front, and he can run the times. That's the thing. You're going to have yeah. to run really quick sectional times to beat him, which means he is outstanding, but most of the other Emma Stewart-trained horses are as well. Uh, one horse that won't be winning is Bay of Biscay. He's been scratched, so oh, there's, uh, and he, he was right in the market, so he's out Bay of Biscay. Um, I've got a lot of time for Kingman, a lot of time. I reckon he might be the best of these um, two-year-olds that Emma's got. But from barrier 13, he, you know, he has to do more than make his own luck. He's got to break the clock getting around them. And um, I think he can still run really well and maybe have something on as a, a bit of a saver at the odds. But from that gate, if Stormride is in front and running those sub-55 second last halves, um, it might narrow the winning chances down. So... Wardan Buddy's the only horse that has ever beaten Stormrider in a race. It was narrow, right, yeah. but, you know, this horse, remember, punched through from the back row last week, ran a really fast yeah. first 300 metres. Yeah. Um, this time drawn too, so it's fitter and got a much better barrier draw. Mm. And as you say, if it can get to the pegs first, um, it's probably the better bet each way. Um, yeah, or, or even to take, say, a Quinella Exacta or, or be comfortable enough to be able to back it. Um, I, look, I've got Stormrider on top, but I think Wardan Buddy, because of the, the race shape, is going to be the hardest to beat. I've got a lot of time for Kingman. I gave him a really good push last week, and I think he went absolutely super. But again, from Barry up 13, it, it's just so difficult when you've got fast horses up the front. Um, Mickey to success, considering he paced so roughly at different stages last week. I thought his run was fabulous under the circumstances. Yeah. And I don't want to dismiss him either. So I've got the Emma Stewart um, horses uh, as my top four, which is probably no shock for anyone that are giving tips on the race. But I've uh, I've tipped Stormrider, but I'm, I'm, I'm not confident enough to just backward end, buddy, but I can really make a case for him. So four, two, 13 and three. I'm going 4-2-13 and 1 here. Uh, Keith Cotchin, an enormous effort. He's had many good horses. Sent up by Bromac, obviously comes to mind. But Otanabe, Bromac, our Luciano went terrific and gets the pole marking for all three back to poles. Great opportunity to run a place here. So 4-2-13 and 1. And just quickly before we go to the break, I the panic, if you could see the panic in my eyes last week when Kingman got behind the leader after your assessment, Dad, I, I, I was just thinking, if there's one horse I don't want now after the uh, after the galloping expeditions, uh, I think it was Mickey to su- success, I thought, I don't want Kingman there. And uh, w- weirdly enough, even though the margin wasn't big, Stormrider nearly went up in my ex- estimations. Yeah. The fact that it, it, it just held, and you felt like if they went for another 200 metres, it just would have kept holding. And that's why I'm even looking at Wardan Buddy, and I, I know he's going to be dangerous, mm. but I don't know if Wardan Buddy is better than... Kingman, so even if he's behind the leader, you know, I'm just thinking, I know the dollar forty-five sounds ridiculous, but you just you just feel like if he's in front, Storm Rider, you know, and, and I, where does the pressure come from? So that, mm. that's why I'm, 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 I think we're both happy, even though, you know, it's, it's never easy to tip dollar forty-five chances, but um, I think that's why we're both happy to go that way. 
Yeah, no doubt. If you draw in the second row, there could be something else we find yeah, out about him. He might be better coming from behind. <laughs> Who's to say? But yeah. you're right. He did lift when he when Kingman got on his eye line. There's no he had to lift, but yeah. he did like a good horse. Yeah. All right, we'll take we'll take a break. And uh, if anybody at the tab is uh, listening to the Friday form panel, which they should, uh, Bay of Biscay is still in the market, so we might want to take it out. We'll go for a break. We'll come back. We've still got eight races to go, and. We'll start to accelerate through when we return. This is the Friday form panel, the most popular show of all week. Oh, no, Wombat does a great job. Uh, most popular show of all week on Trot's Life. We're on SEN track. We'll be back in a moment. And the next race we're going to look at, in my opinion, is the race of the night. We'll talk soon. Welcome back to the Friday form panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Hello and welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. We've got the news coming. We'll try and get through at least two races here, but I, I there's a lot to unpack and you always be Mickey Vic Bread Super Series final for the classic age fillies. I think this is, in fact, I think the two three-year-old filly divisions are the two races of the night. I'd love to get your opinion on that in a moment, Dan, but it is, this is fantastic. You've got Sweet Bella, who is unbeaten and is the Nutrient final winner. Sahara Breeze is the APG Gold Bullion winner drawn the pole. You've got Joyful, who is the defending Vic Bread Super Series champion. Soho Seraphine mm. and Perfect in Pink, both Group 1 place getters. And VMG McRae, who uh, I wish I'd tweeted earlier in the week. I feel very unfair. It was $151, and I thought it was the best $151 chance I've seen in the history of harness racing. So this is a banger, isn't it? Oh, it is. Absolutely it is. And you can, you can make a case... For a lot of really good horses. I think I saw Perfect and Pink at $81. At $7, yeah. I'd want a potter, but at 81 I wouldn't mind having a saver on it, you know. So it just shows that there's a bit of depth here, and it's a challenging race to work out. Um, the obvious one was Sahara Breeze because she's got that good gait. Uh, last week, I think Nathan Jack had to go when he had a tiring horse in front of her and probably had to go 100 metres earlier than he would have liked, and as a result was run down late, but from barrier one, A, she's got the gate speed, B, um, Chris Alford has the option of handing up to what he would uh, be considering to be the right horse, whether it's Sweet Bella or not, but either way, Sahara Breeze will be the horse to beat, so I mean, I thought she'd be the horse to beat last week, and she went terrific as she had all prep, so Soho Seraphine, I thought, was excellent sitting parked, making that move, and sticking to her task really well behind uh, Sweet Bella last week. Uh, Joyful, like the way Joyful got back with a colder run and just that sharp turn of foot highlighted what a good uh, filly she is. And when she doesn't have to be caught without cover, um, she's got that turn of foot that puts her in the race regardless of what barrier draw she's going to end up from. Um, Maybe Soho Seraphine and or Joyful will make moves to go and sit park, but one of them's going to benefit from a 1-1 cover and that one is going to be a very good winning chance. Um, I can't believe I haven't found a top three spot for Sweet Bella because she's just hasn't done a thing wrong and she may well lead the race. But um, I look, they're my top four, one, nine, eleven, and four. Yet I can still make cases for others that are at huge odds. Um, with Relation J, with a different driving tactic, could improve. Perfect and Pink coming off the speed. Um, VMG McRae would need a lot of speed on, but it can also be a, a case could be made for. And even Paradise Valley, from a place perspective, the way that she hit the line last week, um, I think it's a ripper race, as you say. My tips are one, nine, eleven, and four. 
Well, you talk about it. I mean, that that almost um, well extrapolates the point, doesn't it? I mean, Paradise Valley not not only in the semi final, but the heat was outstanding. And you're looking at it, going, well, how do you even run a place? Hundred and one and thirteen dollars for a horse affiliate that's going that well. So, um, quick question before I get into my analysis: Do you give Alicia and Jay, if they press the button, any chance of crossing Sahara Breeze at the start? Uh, well, no, I think Sahara Breeze is quick enough, but I think it's more that uh, what Chris has to identify is whether uh, he thought Elysian Jay would, would, would hold the lead because Sahara it Breeze... It, it, won't, it uh, won't, though, will it, Dan? I, I, think, I think that's... Yeah. That, there's, too, there's too much of a chance that won't happen, isn't there? Yeah, probably. And the other aspect of Elysian Jay, I think, in front last time, even though there was a little bit of pressure, it was well and truly beaten. So you might look at taking a different tactic. That tactic might have been to lead and then then uh, take a trail. So the first 50 metres is critical. But remembering that Delightful Tammy is the emergency, if it doesn't get a run, it's going to be much harder for Elysian Jay yeah. right next door to Sahara Breeze to cross. No doubt about it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give the three potential scenarios in my mind. I think Sahara Breeze will lead. Whether she leads, well, okay, scenario number two, which is very unlikely, is Alicia and Jay leading, in which case I, I believe Alicia and Jay would hand up to Sweet Bella and the race changes complexion. But I think that's a low percentage possibility, as we've outlined. The, the other two are Sahara Breeze holds Alicia and Jay and then gets the kind of run that will obviously exponentially enhance her chances of leading all the way. Then the third scenario is the one that I'm focusing on, even though I've tipped Sahara Breeze on top, that Elysian and Jay has a crack. That already in the first few hundred metres softens up Sahara Breeze. Then Sweet Bella goes forward, is forced to park, and starts to really lay down the law. Then Joyful at some point, if Joyful doesn't come around and give Sweet Bella cover in the breeze, which I think is unlikely, she has to take off three wide, no cover. If VMG McRae... Is three wide and one back. I'm going to. I, I wrote. I wrote this for the um, for the game plan tomorrow in the Herald Sun spread. If you are near me, and VMG McRae is three wide and one back, just give me a little bit of space. Just, 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 <laughs> just, just sort of, just a little bit of silence and a little bit of space because I'll, I'll need to really be in the zone. Um, I've gone with Sahara Breeze on top. I've thrown VMG McRae, who was 151 and 16, in for second. I can just. I know you dream about races sometimes, and um, I can just see that scenario uh, taking place. Joyful in for third. I've always thought that Joyful would be a better horse off the speed. Just seems to lose concentration sometimes uh, in front, and we saw that last weekend. And Sweet Bella in for fourth. So one, 13, 11, and four. We move on to try and get – we will get one more race out before – we head for the news and find out what's happening in the world. Petrarca, it's a pretty amazing situation. This hasn't been the theme of the meeting, but you've got two heat winners and two heat winners who were dominant in um, disparate ways, Petrarca and Techies watching. I literally can't see them, unless Petrarca somehow gets crossed at the start, which I don't think will happen. I think this is a great exotic race down because Petrarca should lead, then cop minimal pressure, in my opinion, Techies watching behind the leader, they really should one, run one too. But there was something pretty devastating. I, I can't imagine what it was like calling it because the, what Petrarca did, that, that push-button speed was, was pretty breathtaking last weekend, wasn't it? 
Oh, look, he, he was a jet. And look, the only thing that's not on his CV is one of the big ones, the group ones. Yeah. Um, uh, it's where he's um, met his Waterloo in previous, uh, on previous occasions. But what we saw last week, gee, he didn't just remind us he's a real good horse. He, he's extra special. The turn of foot was elite. Uh, and from barrier number one, I suspect he'll do it again. Uh, the real Sherlock probably has to make it a, an ex, extreme staying test. Um, and he was excellent considering how hard he worked last week, mm. uh, but is going to probably not not have to work as hard, but is still going to be exposed. Petrarca might be too quick, so how do they take the speed out of Petrarca? That part would be interesting, um, but uh, look, Petrarca for mine won. Um, from the real Sherlock, I think he's very good. Eight techies watching, and uh, and also uh, the four, which is perfect class. So one, six, eight, and four. As we go to the news, I'm going one, eight, four, and nine. But I'll tell, I'll, I'll just, I'll just give a little bit of a insight into my thoughts here. So if Petrarca does lead, even if there is some pressure, if he's able to hold them and then and then turn and burn, again. Uh, peg domination could really ensue here. I thought Roadmaster was a good chance of running. A, an excellent race last weekend. He finished third and he added huge value to exotics. Well, he's an even better chance here, in my opinion. So he drops three poles, doesn't he, Dan? And then you've got, if Petrarca is in front, Techie's watching behind the leader, Roadmaster, three back the poles. I'm just looking at $8 a place. And it, we can do it, to, you can do it one of two ways. You can either play your exotics with Roadmaster to run third or just have a little crack at the $8 a drum because, I mean, that scenario. It kind of makes sense, I reckon. Well, even with that uh, thought um, process, Tardelli, if it was four back to pegs at 150 to one or whatever yeah. it is a place, it might be another one to consider as well from the place perspective. One, eight, four and nine for me. We'll go for a break. We'll come back. We'll try and get through a, uh, a triple, a triumvir, a trio in the uh, in the next segment, including the two-year-old Phillies final, the four-year-old Entires and Geldings final. And also, we'll talk about a Moray Vita. Because I know Dan will want to. Back soon. <laughs> Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. I'm Jason Bonington and he's Dan Malecki. Feels like two runnings. Jeez, I'm old. Jeez, I'm getting really, really... It's, it's, it's happening before my very eyes. Um, two-year-old Phillies final. We're up to. This is the Art Major Big Bread Super Series two-year-old Phillies final and... It's a battle of two. Uh, I won't name names, but uh, after the um, dramatic, impressive, breathtaking, mind-boggling uh, semi-final wins of Renewal and Draw a Dream, I spoke to a colleague, friend. Some people might be able to work it out, and um, he sort of uh, measuring the runs. And he was in the camp of Renewal. I, I said, "It doesn't matter what barrier Draw a Dream gets here. If Draw a Dream." Draws inside renewal, well, it'll be really short. But I, I, I must say, I didn't think there'd be this much between them in the prices. But I, something about draw a dream. Um, you, you didn't quite. I don't think anoint her the way you have anointed a couple of other two-year-old fillies in recent seasons, uh, Dan. But I'll tell you what, there was something a little bit freakish about draw a dream. I, th- I, I think she'll win. What do you think? Look, it was a stunning performance last week, and. She's come through two um, small fields. Uh, you know, performances were, were dominant enough without um, knowing that she could go to the level that she did last week from barrier 13 as well and effectively first up from a from a break. 
Um, I thought she was terrific. A 27-2 closing quarter. Um, she was well back at the start, though, wasn't she? And uh, pace was pretty solid, which helped. Um, that, that slower first quarter, look, she's she, terrific filly. I mean, she's nothing much to look at, though. There's not a lot of her. She's um, uh, not very big, but uh, some sort of a motor there. Um, Renewal as well also impressed me because from what I'd seen of her previously, I knew she had ability, but I wasn't sure how good she was. And she's carved out some fantastic sectional times as well. Got that cheaper uh, second quarter and then a rush of a 56-7. Look, I think they're the two. Um, the market says they're the two. The, the one, the, the thing that will change things around, if something gets scratched and Vague Beauty gets into the race, yeah. Vague Beauty uh, just driven upside down, I think. It's only her second start, yeah. we don't know, but we saw how good she was from behind. So I suspect if she got into the field, she would be driven with a sit and would be a terrific chance. Again, emergency barrier one. It makes it difficult, particularly, you know, 24 hours out. But... She would be a genuine chance if she makes it six uh, to beat uh, three. Two, Remy Lou, I'm suspecting, ends up with a pole draw because Vague Beauty doesn't get a run. And there goes another problem when you're doing your tips. So keep in mind, Vague Beauty's <laughs> in the top three, but at the moment it's six, three, two. And Eureka Joe, another one who got pushed early, she's had to do a bit of work and both her starts are back from a spell. So driven colder, she's, she's not out of it either. I've gone six, three, nine, and 11. Um, I just thought Draw a Dream was. Yeah, there was another um, two-year-old filly a couple of seasons back that called Ladies in Red who wasn't a hell of a lot to look at. And um, uh, it, 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 sometimes, it sometimes can be definitive of ability and sometimes not going down. I mean, Draw Dream is... that There was something destructive and, you know, eviscerating about that performance last week. And mm. I think she's really good. So at, at least she's going to make hay while the sun shines as a... Uh, as an age-restricted young horse, two- and three-year-old. So I've got her on top. Renewal, we spoke about this last weekend. I mean, this is, it doesn't always work, but SP profiles a real thing. So you turn up at $1.22 in the heat, you get rolled, but you were $1.22, and then the punters who stuck fat were able to get $3.40 last week. So um, well done, and congratulations to them. Uh, Destiny Stride might be better driven off the speed, and then I've got uh, Eureka Joe in. The problem for Vague Beauty, I reckon, even if she gets a run, two things. I wonder whether... There's been a bit of a move to, she's not quite ready, but you just go, you know, there's a Vic Bread Super Series around the corner, let's have a crack. And the other thing is, Remy Lou is really, really fast. So, and then Remy Lou's going to hand up. That, that's that, that's my little concern with Vague Beauty, Dan. Well, she's in tonight, so she may well go around tonight, and, and that might depend on whether something else is scratched um, this afternoon, but... Um, she definitely got driven out, out of her comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, we weren't to yeah. know that initially uh, no. because that was only her second start. But I would say on what we've seen so far, she would appreciate being driven cold. And, um, you know, if she was drawn barrier number seven, she'd be a, a, a $19 shot and wouldn't take as much out of the market and people would be mm. more prepared to bet. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, right Eye Big Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old Entires and Geldings. It's, oh, I think it's... Um, no disrespect, but on, a, on an amazing night, it's probably nearly the, the weakest race. And I, this always happens to me, Dan, and I hate it. When you, when you, I think on TikTok these days, I don't do this, but I see other people do it. Um, they call them gatekeepers. I, I feel like I found, I think, really early, and then you're bonded to that horse. But then, for whatever reason, a lot of the time when you, you're bonded to them, and then they become, it's like finding a musician early, and then they become huge stars, and then you start to knock them. I'm not, I'm not knocking, I think. I'm digging. 
I am thinking though, uh, pardon the the things, but uh, I'm thinking that of the dollar sixty dollar fifty chances tonight, I think might be slightly vulnerable. But I thought that last week, and he was he just keeps stepping up. So if he leads, it's it's uh, it's game over, and he probably will. I've got him on top. Uh, I thought Ruben's plot, even though that was the weaker of the two semifinals last weekend, to be able to come from last take off and do what he did, he, you know, he's got to be some sort of little hope. I'd be more dubious about, I think, I reckon, than if I thought Celestio Matuka could somehow find the gate speed to uh, to lead these and park, I think, in transit. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. What are your thoughts? Well, this, this is the legacy of the, the Tabureka being scheduled at the same time because, what's the old saying? When the yeah. cat's away, the mice will play. And <laughs> I think can be Mickey on this occasion. But we would have had cats away and Captain Ravishing, and he's the son of a gun. And um, certainly um, he's the son of a gun. If he wasn't third favourite, he'd probably be fourth favourite. So um, you're right, the race falls away a bit, which makes it a really attractive assignment for those that are in the market here. Um, I think Scott Gatespeed pushes forward, but he's got a terrific turn of foot. Uh, and and that's the thing. He keeps stepping up. I don't know how good he is because every time he's been asked yeah. a question, he has answered it emphatically, this prep. So um, who's to say he just cannot continue to rise? Um, so it, it's difficult to, to tip against him because you're just expecting that every scenario is going to suit him here. You wouldn't like to see him sitting parked, but if he was sitting parked, I don't think they'd be going that hard anyway. Um, seven two Celestio Matuki came up at eighteen dollars, which I thought was way over the mark. He's got to be a really good yeah. chance with a much yeah. better barrier draw. Ruben's plight terrific, finding the line, uh, and Raw for Roscoe is very consistent. So no real shocks there. Seven two eleven and sorry, seven two eleven and six. Seven eleven two and thirteen, and uh, even after this is the weird thing, isn't it, Dan? Even after tomorrow night, we're still. Probably not going to know how good I think he's, though. Because because of those runners you've spoken about and, and what the future may hold for, I think, and the kind of competition he's going to have to face going forward. This sounds, again, awful. I hate saying it about a horse with a picket fence form line that I've been bonded to for so long, but it, it's almost like um, to prove that he is like a, a, a genuine future star in the making, he almost needs to win this race, doesn't he? Because you look at Celestio Matuka... Going well, but, you know, what, he's not going to be a group one open class horse, I don't think. And then you've got, he's Charlie's Angel, who's not going well enough either. Um, so I think he's almost, he's, he's there to prove again that he's, he's capable of being the very good horse that he very well might be. Yep, no doubt. I, I think he, he's definitely heading in that direction uh, and it makes it exciting that he brings a different line of form. If he can win this as a Group 1 winner and then um, see how he measures up against the creme de la creme because he, he really is... Uh, he's untapped from what I've seen this preparation. I want to take a break now because I, I, I don't want to feel under any pressure uh, for time when we uh, talk about a more Vita and then... The last three events we might be able to zip through before our best bets in multiculture. This is the Friday form panel with D Mills and J Bon on SEN Track. It's your Friday edition of Trot's Life. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Friday form panel with Jason Bonnington and Dan Malecki. Hello and welcome back to the Friday form panel. Four more races to go. Big Bread Super Series finals night, a purist night, a wonderful night, an industry night. Race nine, Amore Vita. Um, geez, this was a this was a soft kill last weekend. Opened over 
$2 a Moray Vita. And this is not the first time she's done it. Uh, like a breathtaking performance that, that sort of... It, it's hard when you've been watching racing for a long period of time to get the uh, the hair on the back of the neck going up or to get the spine-tingling performances. Ride High did it on a number of occasions and um, several other horses. But Amore Vita's got that, got that in her. And I... It's not just what you said. She's a star um, in those final moments of the race. But it was the tone of your voice, uh, knowing how much you love this Mira Moro Vita, Dan. And, and I, I, I just think even that last 50 or 60 metres, given the unbelievable last half she ran, she was eased down. She, she is, as you've always said, very special. Oh, no doubt she's one of my favourites and has been from day dot. She's going for the treble here, winning the the Vic Bread as a two-year-old, three-year-old. And if anything, she probably comes into this um, more as a more overwhelming favourite as she has in the previous couple of editions. So um, she's toughened up. That's the element that Emma Stewart, I think, and Clayton uh, Tonkin have brought to Amore Vita. We know how brilliant she was and now she's tougher. And uh, look, these are a terrific bunch of mares. Most of them come from the same property where she comes from now but um, look she should be winning here I, I just can't make a, a genuine case why any other horse would be able to beat her she would have to underperform significantly not to win here um, three to beat one five and ten I've gone three five ten and one the only thing I think that will happen here is if so Historia can cross again or even pity on holds the front um, they'll run it along at a, at a different tempo to try and because it was sort of it played into a more Vita. Sometimes you park and it's toughness, sometimes you park and it's speed. And this was speed. But the thing is, a more Vita is so versatile that if they're running along, she doesn't have to make a move. She can she can win from anywhere. That's she's she's something. yeah. That that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, race ten. Like, I can't offer much here. You might have to help me. I, I thought Valtino was over the... Stride Hill was way too short early in my Stride Hill scratched. It'll be scratched. Number three well, will it, come out. There you go. You've got all... And the emergency's not running Majestic Monarch, so three and ten are out. I'm wondering whether I have to go back and change some copy now. It's been a big week. Six... Uh, we'll all well, I've done six. the same. I was tipping Stride Hill best bet, and I've done the same. I sent off the Herald Sun form, yeah. and uh, I've had to alter it uh, while we've been on air, because it's only just come out this morning, Stride Hill. So, it changes this race completely, doesn't it? It certainly does. Well, it certainly helps Valtino, because I think it's... it's it now, I think, should find the front. I think it's going to be extremely hard to beat. I almost want to go now six... Six one twelve nine because I think Ewing might be able to hold up into a good position, and clearly they have an opinion of the horse. I'll talk to Andy Gath on burning questions a little bit later. And Rocky Valley and Elder Baron Campbell third and fourth, but uh, Valtino's four dollars right now. It's almost better because Stride Hill's still in the market to have a bet now because I think the deductions won't be as damaging as how much they're going to uh, smash it in, Dan. Yeah, look, I think you're right, because what happens now, Valtino looks nearly assured of getting over to the peg. So while there'll be deductions that shortens it up, it'll actually shorten up again because it looks more of the likely leader. Um, I've tipped 6, 12, 9 and 5 um, with Stride Hill coming out of the race. Sometimes you don't factor that in, do you, when you, you don't think, well, this is my top pick, but if it's it's scratch, I'll look at it a different way. Yeah. Uh, and naturally, you do for race shape and Ewing's chances probably improve, at least for a, a place hope. Um, but Valtino's winning chances, I think, have improved again because he is a really good beginner. Six, one, uh, 12 and 9, as mentioned from me. And I'll tell you what, I know Ollie's going to hate this. We're going to take a break now and come back. And if we don't get multicultural and best bets in, that's okay because there's going to be a Herald Sun spread tomorrow 
and we're going to have all of our best bets and everything in there. I'm sorry, Ollie. Uh, but it's more important for us to talk about race 11 and 12 in detail, particularly race 11, which I think... Well, if the three-year-old pacing fillies is the race of the night, then the three-year-old trotting fillies, I think, is parked up outside it. Back in a moment, more Friday form panel here on SEN Track on Trots Life. Welcome back to the Friday form panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. We have about 180 seconds left on the Friday form panel, and this is, we have to dedicate about 120 to this race. Rocking with Attitude, this is like the locomotive, but on steroids, because <laughs> there's not a lot between Rocking with Attitude and a couple of others, is there? But it's that it's that weaponry and the draw, and you, like, I'm happy to take it all 60, to be honest, Dan. Yeah, look, she's got gate speed. Um, remember her performance, was it in this race or the British Crown last year? But it was uh, extraordinary, and she beat <laughs> yes, Susan yeah. is her name. <laughs> Um, uh, on merit and um, as, as good as Susan is her name uh, was last start it was an extraordinary performance I just can't see how she can beat Rockin' with Attitude with um, fair or even running so three on top I mean she's just ticking all the boxes an Oaks Derby winner multiple group one winner drawn well drawn to lead so three from I put Elder Brown Miley in for second I, I, I think she's going really well the distance suits she's a better stayer than a short course and she's drawn well enough to, to occupy a good spot nine which is she's a wish is going terrific as well and Susan is her name it's a very good race and there are other horses on the fringe like a glamour stride it could be a good each way chance sequence really caught the eye last start her run was terrific and even rapid return so there's a lot of depth here it's a really good race three two nine and thirteen Three, thirteen, nine, and two, same top four. Rocking with attitude to win, but yeah, the, the market says it's a one, maybe two horse race. It's not. Aldebaran Miley, I think, is going to be a star. You've almost stolen my thunder there, Dan. Um, final race in the program is for the two-year-old trotting fillies of the Vic Bread Super Series. We can have it all in Bolt Stanford dominate the market. They should, but there were some other magnificent runs. I'm looking at no telling. Heather Moldy's Max got a lot of ability. All that remains, Mega Spur. I just. I don't think this will be quite as easy as it looks, but you might have a different opinion, Dan. Yeah, look, it's still learning about them. Violet Stanford used up a lot of petrol mid-race. It was a terrific win to beat. We can have it all. I mean, they looked the main two, but um, I can give a really good case for Mega Spur. thought the run was excellent, and also all that remains. Um, I think it's got a terrific chance, and no telling Heather keeps um, improving with each run as well. So uh, I've tipped one from nine. Not sure which way to go there, but I'm probably more inclined to want to back at odds or have savers on Mega Spur and all that remains. So I've won... Nine, seven, and four. Nine, one, five, and six. Quick question in the last 20 seconds. What, what race are you looking forward to most out of these dozen group ones tomorrow night, Dan? With a bit of tongue-in-cheek, race 12, because it'll be a really heavy, full-on full night. I can assure you I'll be I'll be stuffed at the end of the night. But it's a wonderful night. Probably to see a more Avita. If Draw a Dream can back up what you did last time, the three-year-old fillies race five. Excellent. First start of the quaddy. Promised $250,000 or a projected pool for the quaddy. So it's well worth having a play. Love you, mate. You're a legend. Thanks, Jase. Au revoir, that's been the Friday Form Panel. Enjoy the rest of your programming on SEN Track today. The SEN app, now compatible with Apple Watch. Download today to listen anywhere, anytime. Monique Gears with SEN News. 
PM Anthony Albanese says energy industry leaders in Australia must move towards renewable energy or risk being left behind. In a speech to the Future Energy Summit, he's outlined his vision to transform the country into a renewable energy superpower. He's calling the change Australia's biggest opportunity for growth and prosperity. A huge relief for passengers on the Ocean Explorer, which ran aground in remote Greenland on Monday, with the ship now freed. Passenger Liz has told nine all passengers went to the eighth deck while the rescue vessel secured a tow line to the back of the boat. The anchor was placed in the water and apparently there's some sort of tension and traction between the anchor and the vessel, which managed to slide us off the mud bank. A NASA report into...